0: This is the Beard Winter Podcast, episode 16. Thank you so much for tuning in for the 16th installment of the Beard Winter Podcast. I sincerely appreciate those who take the time out of their busy lives to. Tune in, see what's up, and hopefully hear a candid voice in kind of a very filtered world. <laughs> but yeah, I meant to record this sooner. I thought that I was going to be a little bit more introspective and have the ability to reflect more upon the Academy Treatments versus just have the afterglow or halo effect. Like, of course, if you think about that treatment being somewhat similar to a massage... You're going to have nothing but rave reviews after a massage when you're quote unquote massage drunk and you feel loose and just great and relaxed. Yeah, they're going to be able to book you for another one. And of course, you're going to be a fanatically avid fan of ketamine after you've done the treatment because it makes you feel amazing. It's an eraser of anxiety and depression. And it is a catalyst That's the word I'm looking for, for opening up some receptors to positive emotions and less of a numb feeling. And it's not a cure-all. That's one thing that I've definitely assessed over the time afterwards is that it's not something that it's going to erase those things permanently. It's going to give you the tools to find out what it feels like to have those feelings of low self-worth hopelessness helplessness and high angst or agitation it's going to give you a glimpse into what it feels like not to have those and it's going to help you i guess work backwards to figure out how to not feel that way naturally because those feelings do come back life is going to throw you stressors Work is not going to always be great, neither are personal relationships, and you have to cope with that. And I think that that is one main takeaway from it all, is that prior to the treatment, it makes you react differently, or you inherently, I should say, react differently. When something bad happens to you prior, at least in my observation and from a friend of mine who I've been talking to who's gone through seven treatments, that it's more of a way to not immediately react or respond with your small brain, your lizard brain, whatever you call your instinctive brain. It allows you to process it and say, okay, this is how I choose to react or respond. But does that mean that it's going to be that way all the time? No, I don't think so. I think that... As Theo said, he needed to do therapy as maintenance. And I think that anyone who has issues needs to most likely do some sort of therapy, especially if it works for you to some degree, even a minuscule amount, because you at minimum have a soundboard to hear how you're feeling, you have someone to empathize with what's going on, and you have if it's a good, healthy relationship with a therapist, a objective view of what you're saying versus your subjective lens that you put on it. And even with the tools that ketamine gives you, which is the ability to have magical lenses that change in front of your face where you can reframe things, it's probably good to still have that practice of reframing and analyzing why you feel the way you feel about certain things and why certain situations will make you go from zero to pissed off in no time or why it's still tough for you to engage in fluid conversations or why social gatherings still feel intimidating. There's all those questions that are going to take a while to work through and I think a lot of it has to do with how we are so glued to our phones, that was one realization I had towards the end of it in sessions 4, 5, and 6 was... I remember picking up my phone and just looking at it and thinking, is what is on this screen reality or is what is in this room reality? And, and what I, am I inputting into this electronic device that was not here 10 years ago, or let's just say 20 years ago when I was a kid becoming reality versus what I see all around me. And that's the weird thing about it is that I didn't really see anything visual, like nothing to the effect of allegedly doing Salvia back in college where you saw some pretty vivid stuff. (laughs) And it's not like that. It's more of, I guess, a way to step back in the best visualization that I can recall was I remember sitting in the reclining chair with my arm on the pillow where the IV was and being able to feel like I was sitting in a chair behind me like the next seat up in a theater the next row up where I could look down but also I felt like I had the control to fold that room up and just kind of push it aside and then flow into the music And the lyrics of the song extremely had... Or they extremely had a profound impact of what the narrative of the mood was. And I realized that I should have tried this and anyone... I'm not recommending you do it, but if anyone goes through the treatment, because you need to, and you talk to your doctor about it, binaural beats on YouTube, just look those up and look for ones for lucid dreaming or for... um, What's the other one? Uh, Astral Projection. If you listen to those, those are crazy on they Instead of guiding me with lyrics that an artist wrote in whatever moment or situation or context of their life that made them write that or whatever the songwriter who sold the you know, song to the artist was in is going to be different than your situation in life, I would hope. I mean, I picked the songs that I picked for my... Um, treatments for my own grounding feeling and because I picked familiar songs like I picked some stuff from the 90s that I listened to and it was great having those songs guide me through it and rock out to feeling like I was going to move to the country and eat a lot of peaches you know and I knew that peaches were put in a can by a man in a factory downtown I mean it was great you know (laughs) singing along to those and feeling like I was alive again but having just whatever a binaural beat does to the brain that frequency or set of frequencies guide me and just feeling myself start to float that's where i felt the most introspection to where i had the lens changing ability like sitting in front of an eye doctor where they try to figure out whether or not you need prescription lenses sorry i blanked on the word or corrective lenses that's the word i was thinking of And that's what it was like, is having that big thing in front of you, like on the Justin Timberlake album where it's 2020 vision, I think is what it was called. Shout out to JT. Um, Don't listen to you that much, but here's your shout out, not that you need it. (laughs) Um, And just having those things flip in front of your eyes. I thought it was pretty neat because I would even see into the room like a camera sees when it's very dark, where it looks very granular and very discolored. Photographers know, know it as noise. And then I realized the fear of death is gone, not in a morbid way, in a way to where you just realize that what is life, what is reality, what is in front of you are interchangeable. You close your eyes and your mind will drift, but it'll drift to things that are familiar. For the most part, it'll drift to past experiences. But in that moment of stillness, when you're on this intravenous treatment and you can close your eyes and say this is nothingness and is that what the end is like i'm not going to get philosophical more so than i have but it makes you lose that fear of it being over and i think that that got rid of a lot of the anxiety and it made me grateful instead of less grateful or more callous about existence being tough and that's a good thing Since then, the 4th of July has come and and gone. (laughs) To my parents' dismay, I participated in purchasing some fireworks this year, and they were hella fun. had three of my best friends over, had a beer because the second one we opened just wasn't that great, and of course, I was lighting off pyrotechnics, so it was good to not be under the influence of alcohol, and they needed a drive home, so fair. It was a fun night, cleaned up right afterwards, did the responsible thing, put all the fireworks in black trash bags and put them out by the curb to be picked up by the garbage man, and it was what it was. And I also had a realization after getting shot in the damn arm by either a plug from a firecracker, one that was stupid loud, or concrete that it blew up and threw at me from the ground, or just a rock in general that was near it that I didn't see. But that thing shot me in the arm so hard, and I still have this y- ugly yellowish bruise with some spotty red outline, but it started off as just this red welt, and then it blew up into this huge apricot-sized bruise in my left arm, and I was like, damn, what was- if that was my face or my eye. I mean, yeah, I was wearing safety goggles half the time. Like, <laughs> one of my buddies, Mike, he said, yeah, you would go ahead and uh, pull the goggles up, or David, I think, said that maybe, yeah, you'd put the goggles up as soon as you lit the firework. Like, you would put the fu- the goggles on as you lit the firework, but as soon as it, it was sparked and the fuse was lit, you'd put them up. It's like, oh yeah, that's how to do it properly, right? <laughs> but it was a fun evening. Uh, the neighbors, they didn't really shoot off nearly as much as what we thought they would. Mine were extremely loud and silly, and that kind of scared me to not even want to be near them. My buddy Matt had a show the next night on the 4th, and that was put together so darn well. And if anything, I do need to actually pull that up and put that into the YouTube or into the comments on YouTube because there's this dose cake that we got, and <laughs> I picked it up for him, and it shoots off 400 shots in 38 seconds, and they're all those big just silver titanium booms in the sky. That's all they are is 400, and it's a fan, so... It it goes left to right, right to left, covers an immense amount of sky. But to be honest, it was dropped. <laughs> and so that's why he got such a good deal on it, was because it was dropped from the to- the top of uh, a truck to uh, the ground, probably a good, I would say over 10 to 12 feet <laughs> and we're talking a monstrous uh, firework thing that could easily be someone's finale in itself and it was part of the finale and I said there's no freaking way that's going off in a neighborhood when I thought about shooting it here and it went off in a baseball field it was beautiful it held together we put a little bit of duct tape on it you know we had to make sure that it was rigged for some guaranteed success and he did an amazing job he has a cobra electronic ignition system so there's no running around with his whatever gases in the yellow tank people are going to know this off the top of their head versus butane the blue ones and he would usually light them off by hand to do an amazing job but this year he just pushed buttons and used electronic match and it was beautiful i'll have to post it it only lasted six minutes because anyone who isn't as big of a pyro nerd as myself and my friends didn't maybe know and you probably noticed it at the tents that Inventory was low, prices were higher, but the average shipping, I believe, was anywhere from thirty to $40,000 more per, per container. And a lot of the stuff didn't make it here on time. China's been doing some weird stuff with production where you're not allowed to produce fireworks if the humidity is below a certain threshold because of... Ex, ex, it's definitely safety because explosives are less likely to go off, I would assume, in a very humid environment than if it was very dry and you know that it was able to get more Loosely in the air and then you have a spark boom. That's not good. So another thing was 2020 The firework stands made out like gangbusters and I think china saw that and even though they're not a capitalist country They're like we want to make more money So they just yanked up the shipping charges and then a trifecta of bullshit happened My buddy went to go ahead and put in a eleven thousand nine hundred dollar wholesale order and It got denied and I called the guy who owns the fireworks company, and asked him. I said, I, "I've been a customer of yours for a while, and I wasn't trying to drop that card. I just want to know what's going on." And he said, "Oh, it's it's a trifecta. So apparently, what happened was that and it's still a case right now, that after COVID started, or after COVID started receding due to people getting inoculated and numbers going down and economies reopening, all these ships started coming across." to the United States and there's a ton of ships in the ports or just outside and they're all anchored in the sea and they have to wait in line because it's such a backlog to get into the country and drop off their wares. Yeah, that's a good word. And that's great. But there's also companies like Amazon and Walmart allegedly, I don't have any facts to prove this besides what I heard from the fireworks industry where they can pay to get ahead and say, "Yeah, We'll go ahead and pay, you know, the we'll grease some palms and we'll, we'll move forward in the line because we can do that. We're Amazon, we're Walmart. That's fine, but fireworks companies, even though they operate in ridiculous margins where they pass it on to the end user, they didn't do that. So all these ships started finally picking up anchor towards the end of June, early July, which they're now going to be arriving in their respective land-based locations of their destinations in August. So is there going to be a surplus of fireworks in 2022? Maybe. Are people going to just buy them up around the off season when they can around New Year's? Maybe. I really don't care because I don't think I'm going to be participating in in them again in 2022 because getting shot in the arm is not fun. And to do my job, I need my arms. I need my vision, my fingers, etc. It was a great year. It was very reminiscent of going back 10 years and making those trips down to Missouri before Iowa and Nebraska had fireworks that you could legally have, except for out in the country, you could do it. And that's where we shot them all the time. But we'd go make huge trips down there, fill up the car, figure out the Tetris game of what firework could be shoved here, here, and here with the seats folded down, (laughs) and reduce the amount of trips back down there. It was very cool to travel back in time and do that. And it reminds me of going back to Wyoming, where I'm from, And walking through the neighborhoods and what my buddy said who just moved to South Carolina after going through his neighborhoods in um, somewhere in Nebraska near Omaha, I forgot the particular town, but you don't go back chasing the memory. I guess you're going back to chase the feeling. And I get that. I get that feeling again when having similar friends come through and seeing you light fireworks off like a kid again or meeting the same people again in the same place like we plan on doing this 30th birthday thing that we did in colorado a couple years ago with the same friends where we rent out a big mountain house split the cost of rent between a bunch of people and spend a elongated weekend there enjoying the beauty that is colorado and i think that having memories i guess where i'm going with this and the ability to connect with people while making those memories is one of the most important things, because going back to the ketamine treatment and realizing that your life is your experience and your sum of your experiences, as one of the philosophers, or I think it was a philosopher said, and you'll probably be able to say that or off the top of your head, I just can't think of who it was, but I think therefore I am, and there's also another one. I th- I'm probably crossing two different people, but the other one said we are the sum of our experiences, and I think there's a lot of truth in that because. They build who we are to this very point. They are foundational pieces and also any alterations such as trauma, good things, uh, monumental milestones in life add to the structure that is your outer appearance, your ego. And there's always going to be those four pains in the Jahari window of our existence. There's going to be the pain where... The world sees things we only want them to see and there's things that we know about ourselves that no one else does that's the first pain we have that second one where we know this about us and the world knows these things about us it's pretty much what people put on social media (laughs) and then we have a third pain where the world knows these things about us but we don't either a refusal to know it like that we're a huge slob and we chew with our mouth open or we don't wipe our gym equipment off, which I'm going to harp until people finally fucking do that all the time. (laughs) Um, And then there's that last pain, which is very hard to explain correctly, but I think that I've encapsulated it pretty well, which is the unknown where it's things we have yet to discover or know about ourselves and other people are in the same position where they have yet to discover or know about us. It's a very weird one. I think it's also a opportunity. Because if you think about it, if they don't if no one else knows about it and you don't know about it, does the idea or the trait or what is known or unknown something we have control over to a degree? Because I'm one of those believers in the multiverse theory or whatever theory it is that any second there is a possibility where there's a fork in the road and whether we go left or we go right we live in one of those realities of going right or going left but we don't get to see where the other one goes but there is a reality where we choose the alternate direction but yet we don't get to see it so every time we make a decision of whether to go forward backwards up down left right any direction that the wonkavator can go think about it it's an opportunity to either better, worsen, or keep your situation the same. So I guess I'll leave you with that until the next episode, and we'll we'll definitely have to figure out some more things to discuss, but outside of that, not much has really been going on, the alcohol is still there, I'm still drinking a lot of beer, and I'm actually thinking about cutting down quite a bit because it's making me fat. And I need to go to the gym more often. I've gone. It's been great. It feels awesome. It's just anyone who says they're going to the gym and says they enjoy the actual act of being at the gym and being on their way of going there, I don't think you're being honest, but you can try to convince yourself and me otherwise at another time. But it sucks. If it's great until afterwards. I mean, it's not great until afterwards is what I meant to say. And once you leave, you feel great. That's the afterglow. You're like, yeah, I did something. I ir- I-, I ache. <laughs> I don't irk, I ache. And it's going to feel great when I feel the burn tomorrow because I know I did something. And yeah, you did. It's, it's awesome. But the whole act of doing the gym thing and whatnot is not that great. So I'm going to attempt to either go today or start going again next week because I'm actively paying for a membership. I'm at Platinum Fitness, not eating pizza or doing the neck exercise while eating pizza. You know, can't be too counterintuitive when or counterproductive when working out. But yeah, I think I'm getting into a rambling stage. Uh, Not much is going on. Kind of boring, but good boring. I hope to be doing some traveling here in the fall and getting the camera out, dusting it off. And I did some photography of 4th of July stuff, made a really neat shot uh, at an amphitheater of some fireworks on the 2nd of July. Felt really neat to do that and collaborate with my dad to kind of brush the cobwebs off of using Photoshop and yeah, we're just trying to get passionate about things again over here in my world and trying to figure out a direction. All I know is that right now things are getting expensive. Um, Money is not as uh, powerful as it used to be. So now is a great time to be paying debt off. And that's what I'm doing. It's just trying to slay, slay, slay in every single aspect of life. But thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you in the 17th episode. And Like I said in episode 14, I believe it was, before I tried all this ketamine stuff and self-exploration, it's going to be great to look back at this and smile and say, hey, we've come pretty far. And I appreciate everyone who listens in being a part of this. It's a journey. Cheers, and we'll talk to you soon.